Hello, I'm Liz Coomer, and I am the co-founder and co-artistic director of It's Personal, and I'm chatting with Josh Jabert about his piece, I'm Not Safe. This piece was performed in May 2020 for our survival show, our first online show. And if you're new to the podcast, we're going to listen to his performance and then talk about it and the process. Hashtag BTS, am I right? So let's get personal. My dad is a mega church pastor, and I could tell you a lot of different things about him. Sci-fi geek, uh, ex-CEO, Stanford double master's degree. But the main thing I remember is when I was six years old, my dad comes home and he's wearing a gray business suit. His face is completely shaven. He looks like Zorro. And I hug him and he smells like Dolce and Gabbana white book. I'm in his arms and I feel safe. I want to be like him. Uh, I'm 24 years old when my dad dies. My mom becomes a single mom, and I'm trying to figure out what being like my dad looks like. All I have left of him now are his memories. The sermons, the, the books he authored, the podcasts he made, the, the nice things, the cars, the designer clothes, the watches, the knives, uh, the shoes, those are all his memories. The elders of the church want to pimp those memories. My dad's gone now, and so the beast is unleashed. All the hidden jealousy, greed, resentment, all those things are unchained. I'm not safe. They threaten to take my car if they see it. They threaten to evict my family. They bar us from his office, and they tell us not to come to church. My dad was a very strategic man. So I sit down with my family and we had to plan to get his things back, our things uh, back. And so I remember that Sunday, I get up and I put my funeral suit on. I'm wearing his watch. I'm wearing Gucci Guilty Cologne and I'm wearing his shoes. And I walk inside the sanctuary and the plan is I'm gonna go inside. I'm gonna sit in service peacefully and I'm going to ask for our things back at the, at the end of service. I'm sitting in the second row right behind my mom. And uh, the choir's singing, the band is playing, hands are raised. This is normally where people go to escape their problems. Thousands of people of all races, classes, backgrounds, all singing in unison. Suddenly, the lights drop and all the entrances and exits are blocked off. And I see five police officers marching towards my mom. Time seems to slow down. My first thought is to come and arrest my mom and they'll shoot me if they feel threatened because their uniforms give them immunity. I'm racking my brain. If I die, my mom's gonna kill me. I have to be strategic. I have to think like my dad. The choir is still singing. Uh, the band is still playing and could be dedication, could be delusion, 
could be a distraction. I barrel through the seats in front of me. I pull out my phone. I'm trying to get to the stage because the other half of my father, my mother, is being attacked. I feel a hand grab me from behind, and I look over, and it's one of my dad's mentees. It gets in my face. I push around him. I get to the stage, and armed security blocks me. This is the same security that would feel death threats for me as a kid, smile at me. They're ready with their guns. They yell at me. They put their hands on my sister. I run around a few of them and they don't fire their guns, but they fire themselves for my life. I finally get to the stage and I'm looking down on all the chaos. And I feel like an outsider because my extended family, the church, are now just a bunch of greedy people fighting. Nothing is the same after that. I'm wearing a suit that marks the death of my father, that marks the end of one chapter and the beginning of another. I'm not thinking so much about survival at this point. I'm just trying to get the truth out there. I'm standing on the same platform my dad would preach on three times a week. I'm standing in a place where, always well-dressed, he'd never let anyone stop him from talking to and trying to make a difference. And at this point, I realize I'm more like him than ever before. Hi, Josh. Hey, what's up? How are you? <laughs> I'm good. Um, thank you. How are you? I'm doing. I'm doing great. I guess we're gonna just keep asking how are you and until. Yeah, uh, I'm just gonna say. Uh, so, Josh, how are how are you? No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> so yeah, let's just like get into this. This was your first time performing with us. Your first time writing with us. And did we meet at the stand up comedy class? Is that how we met? Yeah, I took your I took your stand up for the first time. That's right. That's right. Yes. Okay, so well my first question was about your stand up background and storytelling and how how it's been doing both of those and how they're different from one each other and how that got you here with storytelling with its personal. I think the best stand up comedians are storytellers. So, like Dave Chappelle, you know, some of the younger cats like Tone Bell. I think the greatest ones are storytellers. So, the thing I'm working towards is kind of to tell true, vulnerable, thought provoking stories that are entertaining. And I think stand up does a really good job of really working kind of the clarity, the entertaining aspect, and then just your precision with time and the storytelling aspect, like being able to kind of uh, exercise that gift that your mic or your shows allows me to kind of really dive into some more vulnerable territory. Yeah, I and and it's the cool thing about because I I saw you at the stand up show and it it was definitely storytelling with lots of comedy, but this performance that you did was less stand up y and more storytelling, and I loved it. And how did, how did that feel? Kind of just being vulnerable and not being funny, quote unquote. 
it was challenging in the writing process, but it felt good performing it. I, I think that I think that everyone has like an internal like authenticity barometer. And it's like for me, as long as I'm being real, I'm more or less comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you talked about, you just brought up like the writing process. What was it like exploring this intimate moment? You know, um, to be transparent, I think I really wrote it like the day of the deadline. I think I, I started writing all the bullet points before. And I remember just feeling a lot of um, uncomfortability that people would understand what I was talking about because it's such a specific moment. It's such a specific event that I was mm. like, I don't know if people are going to understand. And so that gave me a lot of anxiety uh, <laughs> writing it. So that was really the biggest hurdle in writing. It was like just having faith that people were going to understand all the nuances of what I'm talking about. Mm. Do you think when you write that you storytelling or stand up or this piece exclusively, um, do you feel like you are constantly thinking about how people are perceiving it rather than just getting it out? Absolutely. I, I Writing is much scarier than performing to me. I think mm. with performing, as nervous as I am beforehand, it doesn't keep me from performing, whereas I will be nervous about writing and then procrastinate to write. I don't procrastinate in performance. Man, I'm the same. I'm the same. That's so funny. You know, like when you're saying I write the deadline, I always write my Ed's personal pieces the day of. Don't tell. But it, I, I actually was just listening to Conan O'Brien's podcast and uh, John Cleese was on and he has a new book that just came out and talking about creativity and writing. And he brought up, the, Conan and him brought up really great comment about how like Jack Warner back in the day would get mad at his writers because he would never hear the typewriters going. And he'd be like, you guys aren't doing work. And he was like, half the job is sitting there thinking about it. And then the last 10 minutes, you put it down on paper. And I totally agree with that and that thought process that I'm just constantly thinking of the thing. And then when it's time to spit it out because there's a deadline, then I spit it out. <laughs> yeah, I'm the same way. I completely relate. So um, the performing part of it all and working with Riley and I, was that a challenge having us kind of direct your story? No, not at all, actually. Not at all. Like, I, I think that uh, I'm the most comfortable, I think, collaborating with people I trust. And I think you and Riley have really good sense of, again, like a good sense of authenticity and a good sense of kind of um, when it's time to you know, for lack of a better word, entertain versus when it's time to, uh, well, thank you. you know. <laughs> Just gonna, thank you. <laughs> um, you talked about church in your piece and you talked about having this safe place, a place where you can go to, uh, has that changed since that day that you talked about in your piece? You know, this is a really interesting question because when we, when I performed this or when I collaborated with you guys, it felt like it was around the middle of the pandemic. Um, yeah. So churches aren't assembling anymore. So I actually haven't been to church since before I've performed this. Mm. Um, but yeah, you know, church, I think church, I can talk about what church represents to me generally. And I think like some of the biggest or best performers are normally pastor's kids or people who grew up first performing in church. Like James Dean did most of his plays initially in church. Uh, Denzel Washington's a pastor's kid. Uh, Aaron Paul is a pastor's kid. Like you, you kind of learn how to connect with people there. And so when I think of church, I really think of you kind of putting down your ego, 
connecting with people and and also just really being vulnerable Mm. yeah so hopefully that kind of answers your question that does and that's super super interesting that like that that was your place to learn to be how to be vulnerable i think that's really beautiful and i think it's hard for people to have vulnerability and kind of tapping into that especially as an actor that is something that is so needed in our career and it's sometimes hard to access and then going into that a little bit more and into your piece you know you kind of lightly danced around what happened, right? You talked about greed kind of taking over after your father passed away and this place that was your home. You had your mentor spit in your face. Uh, someone grabbed your sister. I was just curious if you could share with people and with us if you feel comfortable. What happened when your father passed away that caused this earthquake amongst your community well i want to add in a, a little addendum uh so sure. my mentor didn't spit in my face my dad's mentee spat in oh my i'm face, sorry so. excuse it's me okay no 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 it's cool it's cool what i will say is i think there was a real disconnect between the way my family sees the church and the way the board saw the church mm. my family's you know, believes again in connecting with people regardless of class, color, sexuality. You know, the church was the largest multicultural church in the state. Wow. Non-denominational, no, no rules, dress code. It was very much come as you are. And I think the other side was more concerned with things like money, selling the sermons, selling the books, selling the tapes, uh, their job security, control over people, you know, et cetera. Yeah. So I think that's really that was really what kind of kicked everything into gear. I see. It's super interesting. I mean, your whole piece, your whole piece is just like, it's really well written. And it's the descriptions that you go into and the journey that you go on in the piece is, it's beautiful, but it's, it's hard to hear that this community that you grew up in was all of a sudden like turning on you in a flip of the switch kind of feeling. At least that's how it felt for me listening to it. So why did you feel that this this specific piece was so important to share in the survival show? You know, that's a great question. It just was, that's what was on my heart at the time. Um, and I'm always trying to push myself to find a vulnerable moment or to find the most personal moment and put that out there. Sure. And then what was your biggest takeaway after you performed the piece? Hmm. I think my biggest takeaway is that I think my biggest takeaway is that vulnerability really does translate regardless of if people catch all the details of the the plot if you will or the details of the scenario if you are really bearing your heart and and talking about kind of what's important to you like people will connect yeah yeah no definitely you talk about okay the title of your piece was I'm not safe and you say I think two or three times in your piece how do you feel about that title today and that phrase today that I'm not safe right now? Um, I think it's funny. I think now I look at it now cause it's been like almost six months. Yeah. And I think at the time everyone felt unsafe because of the pandemic. Like I think, <laughs> I think that was just something everyone was feeling at the time. Uh, sure. So I just now I look at it kind of from a big picture standpoint and go, you know, that was my contribution to, you know, that conversation. Definitely. Definitely. Awesome. 
So with the piece, I know that you've been also working on kind of expanding it into more from also the uncomfortable show, I think it was, yeah. And taking a bunch of that and creating more of like a one man show. Am I allowed to ask, are you still writing and working on that? Um, what I'm excited to say is I think I may have figured out a way to expand those pieces. Um, but yeah, I just, that's all, that's all I'm going to say is I think I figured out a way to expand it. Do you think you're going to do a one man show one day? That's a loaded question. Never say never, right? <laughs> I mean, are you, do you feel like you're writing it for you right now just to like see what happens and then go from there? I see what you're saying. No, I definitely am going to create something that other people will experience. I'm just not sure if it's going to be the traditional uh, one-man show format. Mm, okay, okay, okay. I feel like you're leaving me on this like little cliffhanger where I'm just going to like have to wait and see and follow up in a year and see where you're <laughs> we'll at. We'll talk after the call. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Um, no, but I'm super excited and I think your stories are super honest and raw and super interesting. And I am sure there are a lot of people who relate to this, this feeling and this journey that you went on. I know like when Riley and I listened to it the first time, I was just like mouth open. And then you talk about your like relationship with your dad and you literally say you put on his shoes and it's just like this this sweet moment where I see, I just see, I know you're talking about as an adult, you're putting on your sh his shoes, but I see like little Josh putting oh, on dad's Josh. shoes. You know what I mean? And it's just yeah, like, yeah, yeah. you paint this imagery of just your experience with your father. And I just, I feel like it's a very relatable thing of like, you just loving this man and looking up to this man. And I just think it was really great. So thank you for sharing it. Oh, thank you for having me. It was, it was really a lot of fun. Yeah, and uh, we can't wait to work with you more and hear more about your, your journeys and your stories. And, I mean, I guess we'll just, like, wait to hear what's going to happen with these pieces, but it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much, Josh. Is there anything else you want to add or say that's bubbling over inside or, or reflection of the since doing it in May? I'm sure I do, and what's gonna suck is I'll probably like remember three hours from now when I'm off the phone. Um, <laughs> hmm. I'm really excited for the day um, when I think artists are more comfortable doing what Phoebe Waller-Bridge did in Fleabag, where they can entertain at the highest level and they can be vulnerable at the highest level, because um, I think that really will form just a stronger sense of connectedness, which is what we need in the world right now. Well said. That was beautiful. Storytelling is having its moment right now. I feel like I've been saying that for the past year, maybe two years since like Fleabag came out. And I mean, even watching shows like Mandalorian and stuff like that, it's really this time of like, it's about the story and it's about the relationship amongst people you're talking about. And that's what's I think the most exciting. And I, I, I hope you're right. I hope that this, brings more storytelling to the forefront and that Fleabag I think did so much for the community and I hope that continues to to grow well said well said yeah well thank you Josh it was so exciting talking to you and catching up and I'm, I'm glad to hear you're doing okay during these times and um, awesome it's great seeing you guys thanks it's personal is a live storytelling show with a twist 
You can find tickets to future shows in the 2021 season at itspersonalonstage.com or in the link in our Instagram bio at itspersonalonstage. While you're on our website, take a second to catch up with our blog, sign up for a class or two, invest in a membership, and explore our store for the coolest merch in town. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.